If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. The difference between the NFL and other major league sports machines throughout the country is that they're looking for your replacement here at all times, and they will replace you, and the show will go on without you until the people in the NFL who are irreplaceable decide that they're going to step back and they're going to hang it up for a week, two weeks, whatever it may be. Uh, I don't foresee that happening. I think you have great uh, leaders in this league. You have guys who who have a voice and who want to be heard and who are willing to make that sacrifice. I, I believe I'm one of them. But until those figures who are the face of the league decide that, I don't think you see that. And when he says the face of the league, he's talking quarterbacks. And we talked a little bit about the quarterbacks earlier. That's Chris Conley, uh, again, eloquent, uh, candid, smart, honest, all those things. Uh, Again, listen, when we talk about these topics, this is what drives me nuts. It's like you talk about these topics and what we have sometimes, and and a lot of this on social media, I understand. But let's be honest, a lot of this is in in our country, in our society, in our communities, is this this want by some to turn this conversation off that's just there it's 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 real uh listen i think ask every black person in america and they would like to talk about sports as well and other topics as well but they've had to live with this in their communities and now we all are discussing and having conversations about it but here's my my thought on that is if you listen to chris conley speak you want to listen to more. That's the thing. He, he he is not insightful as he's saying this stuff. He is not. I think he is internally angry, but he's not yeah. showing emotion and anger. He's doing it very controlled. And I would say even if you're tired of this conversation, even if you're like, whatever, that doesn't have to do with me. Even if you're like, hey, this is not my problem to worry about. Brent, yeah. start talking sports. Even if you totally disagree, which I think it's hard to disagree with some of this stuff. You really got to ask yourself something if you are, if it's hard to disagree with some of this stuff. If you ask that question first, if you, if you're being real, it's hard to disagree. Now you can disagree with some things and aspects and, and, and people's views. Yeah. But the whole main point of right versus wrong is hard to disagree with, but that's for you to interpret. Even if all those things are in place, go listen to Chris Conley. You owe it to yourself to listen to somebody who is eloquent and talks and, and wants to engage in conversation and keep the conversation going. Again, even if you, at the end of it you don't like what he had to say, well, that's up to you. But I think there's a listening aspect here that that athletes are crying for, that people are crying for, is just to at least listen. Um, and that's been going on for the last few months, really last couple of years, and probably even uh, longer than that. And, and Chris Conley is so very good to listen to, uh, quite frankly, uh, and brings up a lot of good points. And I'll be, I'm not lying to you. When people are talking about these topics, there are things that go off in my head. Yeah. Like, ah, that's a little stretch. Or... Uh, is that true or is that a little emotion peeking in or is that authentic or and I'm not talking Chris Conley alone. I'm just saying in general these last couple of days. Uh, and so 
those things are sparked in your mind. That, those are sometimes just the first thing that happens. Yeah. There is no, there is a right or wrong, but there's no correct absolute solution that anybody can come up with or that would have already been in place. Yeah. You know, that's like trying to figure out how do we not, how are we not in, in debt? Sure. And nobody's come out up with that yet because the United States has always been in debt. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, there are just some of those things that it, it's not, it's not crystal clear mm. on how to uh, solve and the, the correct solution. Uh, there is certainly right and wrong. Um, and there also are discussions and part of discussions is listening. And, and yeah. so I've just, my point of this is whatever you want to tack, do you want to take on this? Um, and one might very well be, I'm tired of listening to you guys talk about this. Sure. Fair enough. Uh, get back to but, playing sports. Well, fair enough if that's your view. But I still would invite you to listen to folks like Chris Conley because yeah. it's worth the listen. He should be actually what I thought about. And I didn't want to tweet this necessarily because I didn't want the context to be, um, taken the wrong way but the what i thought about listening to chris conley this time and and obviously we've had several discussions with him over the years is if i was a college you talk about doing commencement speeches Mm -hmm. this is a guy that would have people listening kids listening and his message would probably be pretty good but just the way he speaks he reels you in yeah and so uh, if i was a university or a college uh, he'd be on my list, my oh. short list over the next however many years of of speakers. On, on, it wanna, doesn't have to be on yeah. this topic either. It could be on a, a different. I want him topic. to come t- talk to my kids, you know, kindergarten class. Man, like, I think he's that talented. I want him to come talk to my kindergarten, my kids' kindergarten class. Then I want him to teach my son how to jump for vertical jump forty seven <laughs> inches in the air. Like, I, I, want, I don't know if we can teach you that. I, I want both. You those gotta things. get those shoes. Maybe, maybe you're bowling. I don't know, man. Again? Uh, those are the from my day. N- n- oh, those the the, the the air weapon. What are you talking no, about? The ones that you pumped up. Oh, you're talking about the. What were yeah, those called? The list shoes. Uh, yeah. I forgot. They made you jump higher. They made you jump higher. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. You know yeah. what I'm talking you about. You know what we're talking about. Um, listen, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's there's definitely an audience out there that's like, just stick to sports, just stick to sports. We're covering sports right now. In case you haven't noticed, in case you haven't turned on a TV, you haven't been on Facebook, you haven't been on Twitter or anything like that, this is what's happening in sports right now. This is the big topic. So you better believe we got to talk about it. And what I love so much about what Chris Conley is doing here, and other players alike, I mean, I don't want to single out Chris Conley. He's done a great job, very eloquent, things like that. But there's been a lot of players out there doing their thing. What I love about it is that it's not Chris Conley, the football player. It's not Chris Conley, the Jacksonville Jaguar. To me, when he speaks, it's Chris Conley, the citizen of this country. Chris Conley, a member of society, if you will. And and that's... What I think sometimes people, um, they, they don't really recognize, right? Where I don't care if you're a basketball player. I don't care if you're a mechanic. I don't care if you work at McDonald's. I don't care if you're a banker. Everyone has a right to speak out. Everyone has a right to say their piece because everyone's a part of this country. So to say, well, you're a football player, shut your mouth, or you play in the basketball, just keep on dribbling, like, that's not fair, man, because other people can go on, on platforms and, and issue their, you know, their problems in the, that now man might not be on company time, right? And that's where another problem gets drawn in, obviously. But to me, if you have the platform, you might as well use it. And everyone has a right, no matter where you come from, no matter what your job is, no matter what your title is, to speak their piece. I think what's very important, too, is when you say stuff like that, there's nobody that would prefer to get back to their job in sports more than the athlete right now. <laughs> yeah. They wish things were better. 
Yeah. They wish things were not like this. They wished mm-hmm. what they grew up around and what they see in their communities was not real. And that what we are seeing from potentially lawmakers, politicians, all the rest, community leaders, isn't enough change. So they have to jump in and do something about it yeah. because they are powerful and have platforms. You think they want to be doing this? Like, it's, that's listen, the one thing like yeah. that I would defend. I said that to actually my mom called me today. We were talking a little bit about it. And nice. I said, you think they don't want to like go back and play ball? You don't think LeBron wants to chase another championship? You know, you don't think Chris Conley wants to go go catch ten touchdowns? Yeah. I mean, this is consuming them. And to that point, LeBron James to me has become one of the most fascinating characters in my lifetime, really. And I've always thought this. But now, really, in the last couple of years, he has become so outspoken on social issues. If you look at LeBron's resume and what he's done in his hometown of Akron and what he's done in other places, he has become so outspoken. I even to the point where I now wonder if he's become a little bit too outspoken uh, mm-hmm. at times. Um, and is in, I'm not saying should he be involved in some of this stuff. Just as it, is it a little too much, you know? Uh, and and I might say that by the way because I'm a little afraid about what the other side may say to him, and and it hurts his legacy, tarnishes his legacy. He becomes this divisive guy because to me he's he's been like. The ultimate athlete mm-hmm. uh, up until now in terms of you don't – this guy doesn't get in trouble. This guy uses his platform for good. This guy's lived up to the hype. He's one of the greats of all time. All these things. That's what I really admire about LeBron James. It got me thinking about LeBron James, and I said this to you yesterday. I said we're going to have this topic today. Yeah. But I don't know – I don't talk in, in a dramatic way very often. So I, I, I'll raise the question this way, although I don't know if I believe it. Is there more pressure on LeBron James than any other athlete in the history of sports? So that's the over-dramatized bit. Sure. The reality is, whether you agree with that or not agree with it, how much pressure is on LeBron James? Mm -hmm. LeBron James, who goes to L.A., which he builds his own pressure there because he says, I'm going to L.A. and we're going to try to get L.A. and the Lakers back to where they've been. LeBron James, who enters year two of the, with the Lakers, who's running out of time to build on his own legacy because, let's say, he doesn't have as much hair as he used to, and <laughs> he's getting older, but he's still really good, yeah, very yeah, good, yeah. arguably the best in the game still and the most yeah. influential on the court mm-hmm. in the game. LeBron James, who now signs up for an organization who loses one of the greatest stars of all time in Kobe Bryant, during this season before the pandemic. So you add that to what the Lakers were supposed to be on the court anyway with Anthony Davis and with LeBron James and what they're trying to bring. They're having success. They're winning. They're they're almost the team to beat. And then you add the Kobe element in there where it becomes part of that story, right? And and will this be the story, the comeback of the Lakers in the year that Kobe Bryant passed, dedicated to number 24 and number 8? We just saw it on Monday again. With the, the game on August 24th and them leading 24 to 8 and LeBron putting on a show and the Lakers were looking really good yeah. that day. So you had those two elements and now the social responsibility. Again, whether you agree or not, whether you agree with what he said, how outspoken he was yesterday uh, with his tweet, uh, all of those things. The bottom line is there's a huge social responsibility now on LeBron James because he's kind of pushed himself into that world mm-hmm. as well as a powerful sports figure and one of the most one of the global icons that we have not just the yeah. United States but global icons that we have in sports and then I will add even another element to it he runs the NBA in my opinion mm-hmm. he has run the NBA 
Now, do I mean literally? No. But we have seen LeBron, for lack of a better term, manipulate free agency and shift the balance of power on two different occasions, actually now three different occasions in the NBA. He went to Miami with a decision. He came back to Cleveland, shifted the balance of power. Now has gone to the Lakers, shifted the balance of power. This guy basically runs the NBA. And you know what? He's so well-respected that many follow. And so if you look at it, what I just said, the responsibility of one of the great sports organizations of all time, even though I didn't like him as a kid, (laughs) in the Lakers and winning and putting them back on the map. The responsibility and, and emotions of Kobe Bryant passing in that city with that organization the responsibility of socially Mm -hmm. and social injustice and what he has jumped into in those kind of conversations and by the way some news organizations have placed him in that setting because of shut up and dribble and other things uh and the responsibility amongst his peers and i would say even coaches and administration in the nba look at him for answers yeah that is a hell of a lot of responsibility, man. And that's where I come up with how much pressure is on this tremendous basketball player to do so much more. And keep in mind, he's doing this from a biodome type atmosphere where it's not even the real world, right? You're, you're in a bubble. Like, you don't get to go to the outside world. You're doing it in a constructed bubble. I mean, when we look out, th- uh, you know, through the history of professional sports, I mean, you could say Michael Jordan... Had a lot of pressure. You know what Michael Jordan did? He, he, he didn't get involved with politics. We saw that in the last dance. I mean, all eyes right now, to be fair, and I agree with you, are on LeBron James. And in terms of pressure and in, and in terms of just everyone on his next move, yeah, it's it, it's probably to the point, and I'm not sure, you know, I mean, like I'm sure there's soccer stars there that, that have like a lot of power as well. We don't really see that too much in the United States. But I think from what I can remember, there is probably the most pressure right now on a professional athlete um, as LeBron James, or at least one that comes to mind right off the top of my head. Yeah, and I think it's an important distinction to make, too. He has kind of put himself in this no, spot you know, in, in a lot of ways. He has put himself in this spot in front and center, and that's okay. That's admirable. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the other part is can he handle it? And right. in a way, there's a sense of me that's like, all right, he said the quote the other day, half my brain is on mm-hmm. basketball and in this bubble, and this was like a few days ago, and half my brain is with what's going on in the world right now in Wisconsin yeah. and everything else. Well, I wonder with all of this going on, with meetings and people watching LeBron James every move and what's he going to do and what's the right thing to do, uh, how much pressure he feels to just be right, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, be a leader in these times. That almost the basketball becomes secondary and he might just play freely. When they go back and get back into action. He might not wear it all on the court. It might be the great escape. No. You might see the best basketball LeBron James has played in, in quite some time, which is awfully sa- saying a lot, by yeah. the way. But it really might help the Lakers because almost like that two hours is his reprieve from everything else going on. We'll see. It can impact them that way or negatively. It, it, it very well can. And listen, they call him King James for a reason, right? And heavy is the head that wears the crown. And LeBron James right now is wearing the crown. And, yes, he's put that much pressure on himself. Was that a Pearl Jam song? What's that? Have you said that wears the crown? Yeah. I don't think so. Maybe. Uh, it's a Limp Bizkit lyric. It's a Limp Bizkit lyric Brown as well. Done it. It's a is song it for Zach Brown, but I thought okay. he remade it. Okay, maybe. Look at Brian for getting some music talk on here. On a, Sorry. <laughs> I know Sorry you're good. <laughs> on a Wednesday. Um, but so with LeBron James, yes, the, the the pressure is on right now. And I do agree with you. I think that basketball can be that sanctuary. Like, listen, 
when you grew up as a kid and you're playing sports, like the sports were the time away from school. It was the time away to go have fun with your friends and just forget about the world for a couple hours and just go out there and run around. And um, it's crazy how a game so simple as basketball can kind of resort back to like that childlike nature where it's like, you know what? Basketball is what I need right now because that allows me to be and express who I am. Like, keep in mind, LeBron James expressing his political views. He's expressing how he feels about racial injustice. He's doing all these forms of expression. But maybe the greatest expression that LeBron James can do is on the basketball court. That's that's where he made a name for himself in the first place. So I, I, I agree with you. I think that when he goes on that court, yeah, he's taken a lot with him, man. All right. He, he's taken on um, a lot of, uh, you know, maybe scrutiny from some sides of, of, of the political spectrum. He's taking, you know, love, admiration, hope with him on the basketball court. But he's still playing the same game that he's played since he was a little kid. And there's something to be said in that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And how that is handled and what now happens will be part of the history books of of LeBron James. But he is doing a lot. There's got to be a lot going on in LeBron James' world right now, I I think, uh, as simple as that. Let me uh, juxtapose that with Tiger Woods since we're on this conversation. Tiger Woods, we've had this conversation before. Tiger Woods has stayed away from these kind of issues. He has not put himself in the middle of that. He's been asked for comment. People have criticized him for not taking a bigger stand on things. And this goes, by the way, all the way back to when he was a young golfer, Mm -hmm. 99, 2000, uh, before that probably. But I remember it around that time. And I remember being a conversation piece. Like, why isn't Tiger Woods saying more? He's a global icon. He has impact. Well, Tiger Woods has certainly done a lot. He's got his own school and foundation and, and, and obviously has done a lot for the golf world, has done a lot for kids getting into golf, I think. Uh, and, and quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, I don't know exactly what he's done in terms of his foundation, but I know it's a big-time organization, uh, the Tiger Woods Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I think he's made a huge impact, right, not just on sport but community too. And I also don't believe, I'm not one of those that believes he should be commenting on things. Mm-hmm social issues if he doesn't feel comfortable doing it strongly enough about it and it's not genuine mm-hmm. you, you don't go half-heartedly into that stuff doesn't mean he doesn't feel it but how he wants to voice it say it those kind of things if you're not comfortable doing it, some people are comfortable doing it some people aren't yep. some people can talk like chris conley some people can't although they feel the same way and, and say the same thing yeah. in private mm-hmm. uh, that's that's fair uh LeBron James comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. Tiger Woods has seemingly been uncomfortable doing it, and you can come up with your own reasons why, but he just has. Sure. That being said, as it pertains to right now, PGA Tour issued a statement in support of Black Lives Matter and and what's going on with these movements around other sports. PGA Tour is playing in its second uh, leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Tiger Woods is playing in Chicago. Should he be? talking about one of the biggest i mean you talk if you want bigger than lebron james you've got tiger woods Mm -hmm. should tiger woods be doing more doesn't even have to really say anything this one would be with actions yeah does he owe that to anyone Mm -hmm. uh and do you think this goes back to a little bit of a conversation we had after the show yesterday do you think some athletes and a guy like tiger woods will be frowned upon by peers, by other athletes, yeah. for not doing more. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it's once again, it's the Michael Jordan comparison when Michael Jordan didn't do anything, and now, you know, after the the, the George Floyd stuff, then Michael Jordan spoke out a little bit, and then he donated all that money um, to causes and things like that. So, like, he kind of came out of the woodwork a little bit, um, and all of a sudden, said, wow, you know, Michael Jordan's down for the cause now. You know, that, that's great. That's fantastic. You know, I didn't, I mean, maybe I'm just speaking from my bubble here and from what I saw, but I didn't really see a lot of people go after Michael Jordan in terms of, not speaking for those issues after the last dance, right? Because people from my generation, like, we had no idea. Like, we're kids. We grew up watching Michael Jordan. We grew up idolizing Michael Jordan. We didn't know that he wasn't super political. We didn't know that he was just kind of on, you know, just on the fence or whatever, not really going and picking a side because he's trying to sell shoes. We had no idea. All we knew about Michael Jordan was he's a great basketball player. So maybe there's an older generation that um, has a different opinion than I do about it. But as far as I'm concerned, like I didn't leave the last dance thinking, like, well, Michael Jordan should have said this, should have said this. The reason he's probably the greatest basketball player of all time is because maybe he didn't do all that stuff. Okay? Let's be honest here. So, and it goes to show you just how great LeBron James is, the fact that he does have, you know, uh, his foot in all these kind of causes and things like that. And he goes out there and puts out performance after performance after performance, and is considered one of the best basketball players of all time. It's a testament to LeBron James, what he brings to the table. With Tiger Woods, See, to me, golf is a different sport because I'm not sure how much of the minority of the public watches golf. Like, obviously, the NBA right now, it's it's huge, right? So you owe it because that's who your audience is. When we see the golf audience, I'm not sure how many people are, are following golf like that. Now, let's keep in mind, Tiger Woods can transcend any skin color, any kind of race just because he is Tiger Woods and he's that special. I don't think that people are going to be in the streets asking for Tiger Woods to say something. I, I really don't. I think that in the sport that he plays in, I think in just the way that he's always acted, people appreciate that. Now, once again, there's going to be a small group of people that will probably come out and want to hear something from Tiger Woods, but I think the overall consensus, the overall public is going to be okay with it. Yeah, I think so, too. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Uh, again, you, you have there are very few Tiger Woods admirers like me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, let, let me be crystal clear on this. I've never been a huge Tiger Woods admirer off the golf course. I just sure. love watching him play golf. Of course. And uh, I just think getting to watch greatness like we have is uh, you, you don't take that stuff for granted. I, I think uh, he's probably the best athlete we've seen yeah. in my lifetime. And that includes Tom Brady, LeBron James and others, in my opinion, um, of, of what he accomplished for the last 20 years. That's debatable, I know. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> but I, I did. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I thought about it. Yeah. As as NBA is stopping, as players around Major League Baseball are stopping, as uh, just this domino effect is happening. And we had Mike Wells on yesterday, and he was going over to Chicago to cover the BMW Championship and Tiger Woods. And it hit me. I'm like, oh wait a minute, isn't somebody calling up Tiger? Yeah. And LeBron James calling up Tiger or somebody that knows him, Steph Curry, whatever, mm-hmm. and saying, hey, man, could be a very powerful play here, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and, and I just think it's a fair question to ask, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and again, as the most prominent minority golfer of all time mm-hmm. and still one of the few on tour, uh, there are 
several other African-American golfers, sure. but nobody near the prominence of, of uh, well, Tiger Woods. And, and listen, I mean, let's be honest. The, the, the sport of golf is – the majority of it is white. And the same thing, though, can be said about NASCAR. And you saw what NASCAR did. Yeah. Right, like the, the, there was for a while where NASCAR seemed like to be at the forefront, um, you know, of, of all the causes and things like that. So it's not to say that Tiger Woods can't come out. It's not to say like golf is like you know, well, it's golf. Like who cares? No, I'm not saying that at all. I mean, every professional sport can have their say. I just think that knowing Tiger's history, um, knowing his personality, and just kind of knowing the environment that he's around in that sport, I don't think too many people are asking for Tiger Woods to come out and say something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but again, I will go back to what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. The fact that, or it's the unexpected sometimes that helps really push a movement sure. forward. Mm-hmm. Whether it, what in my my argument earlier, where nobody ever thought Clay Travis would say something nice about the NBA. No, He's not. Yeah. So, but if he did, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, what would it have resonated? How would that resonate yep. if Tom Brady, because he doesn't talk about this stuff, comes up and says something powerful, does something powerful? That's the unexpected. Yeah. Tiger Woods. I'm not saying people expected it, but mm-hmm. wow, that would have captured a lot of attention today if Correct. Tiger Woods backed out of the it, FedEx Cup playoffs for anything but an injury. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, it would advance the conversation. That's what we've been talking about. That's been the thesis so far of the past couple shows, just advancing the conversation. And, yes, Tiger Woods could have definitely done that. Um, but once again, the outcry, you know, I don't think it's going to be there if he doesn't. Should he? I mean, the question comes, should he do it? Is it his service to do this thing? I mean, being, you know, one of the only black golfers in the PGA Tour, should he do this? That's up for debate. But once again, I would rather have him be genuine and not do it than put on a facade and then try to do it. Fair enough. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk. Uh, let's talk some sports. Let's yeah. talk some football. Uh, let's talk about the Jags back on the practice field. Uh, they got a scrimmage coming up on Saturday. How much more do the Jags have to learn? Do you think they know what's up already? I mean, are there a lot of spots up for grabs? Is there a battle that you're looking into that's like, okay, that's going to be a fun one? And uh, Saturday could could display a lot in terms of the final scrimmage. It could really be the last chance yeah. for some of these guys to make an impression. I mean, how much of an impression can you make in practice and with no preseason games? A scrimmage on a Saturday morning inside an empty TIAA bank might be the most poignant moment of training camp for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll talk about it next. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. Uh, then I said... Still looking for his fourth career sack. Austin Lane. I'm spending pretty much every single day with somebody for pretty much two years now that you know somebody. And they surprise you. <laughs> I sit here before you right now, and I am surprised. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. The building in the locker room was somewhat of a microcosm of what's been going on in this country for weeks and months. But the outcome could be taken in in multiple ways. You could take it in a way to say, oh, they weren't united, they were split. You know, the the vote to whether on whether or not to practice or not, or just to really just continue the conversation came down to one vote, 36 to 37. And you can look at that as a negative, or you can look at the fact that the discourse was happening and the disagreement was happening. The people decided to band together and stick together and see the positives in that. More from Chris Conley. Uh, he was tremendous today. Again, uh, in a time where listening is paramount from everybody, 
uh, go take a listen to Chris Conley. Uh, and you're hearing a little bit of it from this afternoon. Jaguars delayed their practice today for about an hour and 15 minutes, postponed uh, the morning session with Doug Marone and moved it to the afternoon. Uh, DJ Chark and Chris Conley also uh, participated in the media availability. And at 3 o'clock today, instead of doing normal football activity, whatever they would do, uh, they instead uh, had more meetings about what's going on in the world, uh, actionable things that they could do. So they might still be doing that as of now down at Jags headquarters, but that's the lay of the land here on a Thursday where there was a vote where the Jacksonville Jaguars could have boycotted practice today or just not had it. I don't know if boycott is the the correct term when it comes to the practices because it would have been voted on and and canceled is is probably better Mm -hmm. um, phraseology there. But either way, they decided on a vote of 37 to 36, Chris Conley revealed. Yeah. That was how close the vote was. And obviously, there were some who abstained because that only gets us to 73 players and there's an 80-man roster. Yeah. Now, maybe some were in doing uh, rehab or whatever it might be. I, I don't know the answer to that. And he might have even given an explanation of that, and, I'm, and I missed it. I'm not sure. But still, 37 to 36, they voted to practice. So uh, there's a lot to talk about inside Jags headquarters amongst teammates and players. We talked about it at the early part of the show, uh, and we're going to get into the football right now. But I just want to update you if you just joined us. We discussed how difficult that is, and Chris Conley acknowledged how difficult it is to say, hey, I'm not going to practice even for a cause. I believe in the cause, but I'm not going to practice. Uh, not so sure. I believe in the cause, but I need to practice because I might be an undrafted guy. I might be a young player. I might be trying to make this team, and I've got like six practices left before they make cuts to make this team. And this is my opportunity. And that's a tough, delicate balance for a lot of these guys, and I think that was illustrated in the vote. Uh, Chris Conley also mentioned, and I thought this was good, that it doesn't mean there's a divide here. It just means there's a lot to digest. And he actually said, I think it's a positive that we've turned to be on the same page. It's not like 36 people didn't show up for practice. Correct. It's They all went out to practice because that's where the vote landed and they're all in this thing together. Yeah. So he actually spun it into a positive uh, despite a very divisive vote. Well, and listen, and once again, this is a – and sometimes Chris Conley disagree, disagrees with this um, you know, theory here, but we talk about how sports mirrors everyday life. And what a better example than we have in that Jaguars locker room, where you had half the people saying, let's go out there and practice. You had the other half that said, no, let's set this practice out and let's see, you know, let's, let's see where we're at right now. And just like for people agree what happened in the NBA, people disagree. So the fact that the Jaguars came together, um, took it upon themselves to go out there and practice, obviously in the, in the hot sun, um, going through the, the dog days of training camp right now. I don't care if it's, um, you know, if, if it's, you know, a little different because of COVID-19, it's still training camp. All right. And it's still hard and you're still hitting the same guys every single day. And that gets played out after a while, man. Take it from me. Um, it's one of the worst things about training camp. So the fact that they took it upon themselves to go out there as a team, um, to practice, it shows you that they can find common ground. All right. And now whether some of those guys out there agreed with it or not, you know, disagreed with it, doesn't matter. They're still practice together. They're still a team. And that's what you want to see. And you know what? That's what I want to see out of a society as well. 
Yeah, uh, it does speak volumes about that. Let's talk some football, okay? Let's get uh, it. Not to bury anything else, but we've spent a lot of time on it so far. We'll get back to it a little bit later. But let's talk some football. we got the uh, one of the NFL Nation, ESPN's NFL Nation uh, writers coming up that covers the Rams, coming up at 5 o'clock. That's going to yeah. be a fun conversation. A lot to get into there. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the Jags quickly, about roster spots. You're a guy that battled for roster spots in your career. Uh, this could be this is a, a high-stress time uh, inside buildings across the NFL, and especially this one uh there are a lot of young players and really quite honestly there's a lot of spots up for grabs you would think because the talent is limited Mm -hmm. on this roster most people would say and agree with instead of 90 players there's only 80 that makes it a little bit easier at this point on the coaching staff and the gm and everyone else that they only have to get down to 69 technically 53 for the roster but another 16 spots given the covid19 pandemic for the practice squad. That makes things a little bit easier, but still they have to, I think, pass through the waiver wire to get back on the practice squad. So there'll be some tenuous moments even in that stretch. Sure. So uh, there's really 11 guys that are going to get cut, maybe some put on injured reserve. There's not a, t- if you wanted to keep your same exact team mm-hmm. and not pick up anybody else. Uh, but from that standpoint, it's as easy as it's ever been <laughs> at this stage mm-hmm. from a management level. To probably make cuts. But how easy really is it? Are there some camp battles going on right now that you would think that, man, this is tough. Who's going to make? We talked about receivers yesterday. But we kind of never came to the conclusion that, hey, they're going to cut D.D. Westbrook. They're going to trade D.D. Westbrook. They're going to cut Keelan Cole or trade him. They've got their six receivers. Mm -hmm. So we think there's a battle on offense. Maybe do you keep the fullback or do you keep extra tight end? Uh, I think they'll steal from the tight end room with the fullback. That's where I think they're going to lean. Uh, to give him some, uh, the ability to do some different looks. Offensive line, you know Will Richardson is in there as a backup. You know Ty, Tyler Shatley's in there as a backup. Uh, you might have a little flexibility to play with a couple more linemen uh, where there could be some battles and maybe there's a surprise here or there. I think the actual roster interest in terms of cuts and bubble and battles will come on the defensive side of the football sure. because, quite frankly, there's a lot of unknowns on the defensive side of the football. There is a lot of unknowns. Usually, how many corners are you looking at taking here, Brent? I'm bad at this numbers game. Yeah. But I want to say I want to say you keep usually around 10 defensive linemen, Yep. five linebackers, and I think 10 in the secondary. Okay. I don't know if that adds up correctly. So I, I think it does, though. It's like 25 on each side and then three specialists. Okay. Okay? So uh, I might be wrong there, but I'm always bad at this part of it. But I, I think I'm in the neighborhood. So you're talking nine or ten guys in the secondary, and I'm counting nickel corner, I'm counting safeties, and I'm counting defensive backs. Yeah. Uh, and that's a great place to start. I mean, do well, we have some good battles going on so back there? So this is where I'm starting right now. So obviously your starting corner is what we think is already going to happen. We got Trey Herndon, and then we got C.J. Henderson. DJ Hayden obviously has cemented himself as that nickel back, right? Well, then once the depth starts getting ironed out a little bit, you know, I've heard some great things with Josiah Scott, rookie Mm -hmm. out of Michigan State, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Luke Barco is like everyone's like, you know, he's like Jacksonville's favorite son, it seems like sometimes. Is he he seriously maybe the biggest slam dunk to make the roster as an undrafted free agent that we've seen? I, I mean, I. I, from what I've heard and what I've even seen in practice, well, I think so. And let's just say they signed with the money they gave him early on. Yeah. I mean, listen, that's nothing in NFL money. Yeah. But the investment they put in on him told him how surprised they were that he was an undrafted free agent, not drafted by somebody. Sure. And by the way, he's looked pretty good out there. I don't know if he's looked good every rep, but he's flashed at reps. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say Luke Barku. I mean, it's almost a slam dunk in my opinion. Well, and listen, too, and you also got to keep at least four safeties, right, for death purposes. Two free safeties, two strong safeties, and maybe add one more. So, like, with that being said, the cornerback position is where I'm watching right now. Because, yes, you have Henderson, you have Hayden, you have um, uh, you have Herndon, um, Perry Nickerson. Thoughts about him, Brent? You know, I, I, I don't have many. Yeah. And isn't that a bad thing? It could be a bad thing. They yeah. re- re- raved about Perry Nickerson at the uh, Combine. Yeah. They're like, hey, we like this guy. Yep. Oh, and then they went out and got like five more corners sure. in the draft yeah. and, and free agency. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think Perry Nickerson is going to be a guy on this 53-man roster. So to, to me, the one, the position I'm be watching for who's the depth for depth purposes number one, but also who's making the roster is the cornerback position. Because keep in mind, right now, you have some young guys out there, right? You have Josiah Scott, you have Barco, and everything. And I'm just wondering, like, do you keep some more veterans? All right, like do you keep that extra guy because let's keep in mind one of the hardest positions to learn coming from college to the pros is the cornerback position. It's just the 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 speed's different, the technique um is amplified and keep in mind like yeah, you might have a good idea of what these guys can bring to the table, but have you seen them with the bright lights? Have you seen them when the pressure's on? Have you seen them when it's one-on-one coverage against a uh, a pretty dang good receiver? No, you haven't. So I wonder where you look at these young guys with potential, obviously, but I wonder if you keep a couple veterans just to try to you know bring them along a little bit and make that transition easier. So I'm going to keep an eye on the secondary, more specifically, I think, the cornerback position. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, and so just to go over the secondary, here's you got Ronnie Harrison, Jared Wilson, DJ Hayden, C.J. Henderson. They're on the team. Uh, the uh, Daniel Thomas, draft pick, who, by the way, was doing some good things and then uh, – a little hamstring injury the other day. Uh, Andrew Wingard, interesting. Perry Nickerson, interesting. Chris Claybrooks, I think from a return person uh, standpoint, and special teams is going to make the team. And by the way, he's also flashed at the quarterback spot. Uh, Josh Jones, Josiah Scott, uh, Tremaine Brock, there's your veteran presence. Luke Barku and J.R. Reed. So I just named off 13 guys. For potentially ten spots, but maybe more like eight or nine. Yeah. You've got certainly some uh, practice squad eligibility for some of those folks too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you're right. I think the Josh Jones and Tremaine Brock got uh, spots are interesting because of veteran experience. I mean, could you really put a room together with in the corners only? Now, safety room's a little bit different, but sure. Hayden would have rookie C.J. Henderson, rookie Chris Claybrooks, rookie Josiah Scott, rookie Luke Barku, and Trey Herndon, who is a young guy. Yeah. Uh, Listen. That. And, and by the way, I've, I've left out uh, Brandon Watson, who I think they're a big fan of. Okay. Uh, and like maybe like a practice and squad, Amari Henderson, who yeah. I hadn't done much, but Brandon Watson actually big fans of that. I, I okay. think they really like him. Okay. Um. So I would say this. I'm going to give you the top eight guys. I'm going to get Trey Herndon, Ronnie Harrison, Jared Wilson, DJ Hayden, CJ Henderson. That's five. Yep. I'm going to say Clay Brooks makes the team. Barku makes the team. 
Holy cats. Well, I'm just keeping in mind, so I'm looking up different rosters around the league, and traditionally teams choose to keep six or seven corners at the most. Yeah, but then they add the safeties. But I'm saying so, there's, yeah, from the cornerback position, it's six or seven from yeah. the cornerback position. Uh, Daniel Thomas will make the team. I actually think Wingard's going to make it, too. Okay. Again, those are the safeties. The four safeties, I think, are a little easier. So I got Trey Herndon, Brandon Watson, Henderson Hayden, Clay Brooks. That's five. Barku, six. Tremaine Brock, seven. Yeah. So that's seven. What does that do for – I mean, Josiah Scott's a fourth-round draft pick. He's got to make it. Maybe Brock doesn't no, make it. No, listen, Josiah Scott – I mean, yeah. You're not going to draft a fourth-round draft pick. Josiah Scott's him. It. Yeah, he is. Maybe Clay Brooks isn't making it. Well, Even as a return man? Yeah. Well, needless to say, the conversation right now is leading us towards this one position that I think we both agree on. The cornerback position is a position to watch. Yeah, the de- the last few spots of that cornerback yeah. position, so, yeah. I think, are a little tricky for the Jags. And who can they stash on the practice squad is going to be part of it. So doing a little more research here, yeah. So teams traditionally keep 10 defensive backs, counting safeties and corners. So yeah, 10, and that's 10 the number total. we had. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, and four of those have to be on the safety list. Correct. Right? Yep. So... I got some decisions to but make. Once again, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you keep Josiah Scott, obviously, but once he's a, you're going to have a very young cornerback. Well, that's going to happen no matter what. But can Herndon, Hayden, and can they handle the rest of those young guys? Like, can you afford to not keep a guy like Tremaine Brock and keep the Clay, Clay Brooks along with Scott and Barku? Yeah. You know? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Barku isn't a slam dunk. As an undrafted guy, I feel like he is. Maybe yeah. we're just talking about him well, too much. We're out on the practice field. We're looking at him too much. Yeah. Maybe we're putting too much into it as an undrafted guy. But I feel like there's some talent there. Ball hawk kind of guy. And also, if you listen to the coaches when they've had media availability, said really nice things about him. I think it adds up for Barku to be on the team. Well, and here's the thing about Barku, too, as well, where if you don't let him – say you want to put on the practice squad. You know dang well a team's going to try to poach him, right? Because – you, you offer him the most money of any adapted oh, free agent. No, he won't so, get through there. He's a, so, no he's, so he's on everyone's radar, right? So there's no way you're going to put him on the practice squad, protect him, and then, hey, maybe halfway through the season you sign him to a No, that's not how it works. So either he's on your team or he's off, but it's not going to be the practice squad guy for Luke Barku, I think. Well, it's not, listen, the bad thing about the Jags roster in a way is their youth, mm-hmm. right? It's just a lot of unproven talent. The good news is potentially in the secondary you might be replacing – a talented group from the last few years with more talent. It might just take some time to blossom yeah. because of the youth. But it looks like they found some talent in that room. Yeah. I mean, so much so that it might be really hard to make a decision. Mm-hmm. That's a good problem to have. Sure. We'll see how it adds up. Uh, and that could be the best battle, like you said. Also, I mean, the defensive line might be attrition. Yeah. That leads the way to what they decide. But keep in mind, there is that Labor Day time frame where you'll probably see some additions. The Jags are going to take a flyer on probably another defensive lineman, I believe, sure. uh, at some point that somebody lets go. Uh, that would be um, something I'd anticipate. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going out west. ESPN, NFL Nation, reporter for the Rams, Johnny Wolford, Jalen Ramsey, Van Jefferson, Hard Knocks. Sean McVay, Sernoff. Can we talk about that? <laughs> it's next on ESPN 690.
If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 